Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Monday. It is July 13th, and I trust you were able to join us yesterday for worship. We've begun a new study, a study of the early chapters of the book of Proverbs, and thank you to Eric for leading us in a great uh, reflection and meditation on the fear of the Lord. And we want to continue in that same spirit as we're responding to the God who, who loves us uh, through our morning psalm and our continued studies. And so I'd like to dive right on in to Psalm 13. We have read this before, but there's a little verse at the end, I think, that'll help introduce our topic uh, for the week, our theology topic. And so this is uh, Psalm 13 for the director of music, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And that's it, Psalm 13. So it starts out with those questions, how long, how long, how long? And so whatever circumstance David is in, it's an extended uh, situation of difficulty and trial and, and distress. And so he, he, he speaks out of that or, or prays out of that. And so again, praying the Psalms is so important. We're allowed to ask hard questions. We don't have to kind of get dressed up in our Sunday best and come to God and, and, and act like everything's okay. God knows fully what's going on in our lives. And so I think th this psalm in particular invites us and, and gives us language to say, Lord, how long is this thing going to keep going? And this was our reflection uh, probably two months ago when we read Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord, will this pandemic last? How long are we going to be shut up in our homes? How long until we can get back in worship? How long... And then, of course, the existential Christ. How long will I have sorrow in my heart? And so we're invited to uh, make our concerns known uh, to God. And then this, this phrase, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And so we're going to talk about salvation this week, okay? So we'll call this Theology 201, okay? We're going to shift uh, to second level uh, theology. And we're going to talk about salvation, what it is and what it isn't. In my experience, most folks come to the Bible in the context of some need, okay? M mo most folks 
their initial move towards the Bible for themselves, where they begin to kind of wrestle with it and pick it up and read it on their own, is usually in the context of when something bad or difficult or challenging or tragic has happened and and they've been told somewhere along the line, <laughs> well, read the Bible. It'll help. And so, and so that, that context of coming to this sacred text, so that's, that was kind of theology 101, just getting some foundations uh, around that. This is an authoritative sacred text. But this is where we sometimes lose the forest for the trees because if we're not that familiar with the story of the Bible and somebody says in the midst of a hard time, read the Bible or maybe sends you three or four Bible verses and you find your way to look those up somehow, you have no sense of how each of these verses connects to a larger story, a larger narrative. Hence that Old Covenant, New Covenant. Okay, it's a story of a family and then there was a relationship and then something happened over time in that family over centuries and then there was a new kind of relationship and a new family established. So from Abraham to Jesus, the covenantal leaders, the covenantal family. And then the backstory. The last week was looking at that Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. The blessedness of being human made in God's image. The brokenness of being human participating in the fall, the fall from grace. And so the context for many people reading the Bible is that Genesis 3. Something tricky, something difficult, something challenging is happening in their life or in the world. And it grows out of the fall, okay? And so misery is being experienced. How long, O oh Lord, the crying out. And so we turn to the scriptures. <clears throat> and we want help. We want it fixed. Um, we, we want to get out of the situation we're in. And we somehow think God is able to do that. And, and, and rightly so. But, but th that's the context that I kind of want to set for salvation. What it is and, and what it isn't. Now, I want to start with a... It's, it's a sort of funny story. It's a little embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, I came to a, an active, a personal faith in Jesus Christ while I was in college. Uh, I had been raised in the church, uh, going to church with mom and dad and my, my two brothers. Um, and we went off and on and we moved around. Uh, dad was in the military. And, and so, you know, didn't always have the, in my mind, didn't have the strongest connection to any particular church or pastor. But we did settle in the Fairfax uh, area and attended Pender Methodist Church over there by Fair Oaks Mall. And then I go down to UVA and, and I, I, I didn't, think at all in terms of being a Christian, though that was the faith tradition of my family for several generations back. But I didn't own it. I had not owned it. But over time came to own it. Some folks shared the gospel with me. I picked up a Bible that I had brought from home. Um, some things weren't working in my life the way I had wanted. And so... That, that story of, well, looking to the Bible in a, in a time of, of challenge and distress, and all of a sudden, the, the scales dropped from my eyes, and, and I got it. I saw it. I understood. It, it, it took some time. You know, it wasn't 
overnight, but it was you know about a nine month period. It was it, during one academic year, and so I just was quite enthusiastic about this experience. Uh, believe it was the touch of the Holy Spirit. I began to get involved with a group called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes (FCA). Uh, down at the University of Virginia. I was playing baseball. I was on the baseball team, and so it seemed like a logical place to go. And there was a guy from my high school, uh, Kenny Newsom, who uh, was on the football team, and uh, he also was an FCA. And so I had known him. Um, Kenny was a year ahead of me, and so knew him from the high school context. So anyway, connected to FCA and began to read the Bible and, and be encouraged in the faith, but I don't know anything about anything. But there is this deep enthusiasm. And I remember some guys saying, well, we need to go witnessing, you know, go tell others about Jesus. And I'm just like, man, I'm in. And of course, I don't know anything. <laughs> and so we go to some apartments, and I remember just kind of with these other guys, somebody knocks on the door, and this guy, you know, another college student, opens the door, and I blurt out, hey, do you want to get saved? <laughs> and the look on his face, I mean, no introduction, no, hey, we're here from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, my name's Don, I just, bleh, <laughs> just blurted it out. And, you know, he was like, guys, I don't know what this is about, but I'm not interested. <laughs> the door was closed instantly. And I was like, well, gee, that didn't go very well. <laughs> Imagine that. And, and so, I, I, it's a funny story. I can laugh about it, but it's somewhat embarrassing that I so naively would have thought that that was the way to go about that effort, that work. And so, the guys I was with said, hey, Meeks, you need to just kind of calm it down a little bit. Um, and maybe that still hasn't happened, right? <laughs> And so I had experienced something that had touched me deeply, that had transformed my life, that had brought great comfort and joy and hope, and I wanted others to know that. Uh, as, as somebody shared so, so long ago, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where you can find some food. That, that's a great way of talking about witnessing or evangelism. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar, hey, there's some food over here. And, and, and so I wanted, in, I wanted to do that. I wanted to help others. And so over time, thankfully, God kind of harnessed that, that uh, energy and enthusiasm. But, but I, I share that as an introduction. Do you want to get saved was the question I put to this guy. I, I just hadn't really thought through my opener. I, I, I do it a little bit better now, uh, I hope. And so, and so it's thinking about salvation. Now, once upon a time, and I'm not talking, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you know, 30 years ago when I'm in college, or 40 years ago when I'm in college. I'm talking, you know, in human history. Issues of salvation seem to be more honest and urgent the human family facing all kinds of struggles are thinking about life beyond. There's something in situations where material comforts um, and just daily necessities are not uh, always present 
that that creates a context for crying out. So David, in the midst of, of whatever struggle he was facing, cries out to God. And so the human family tends to cry out and, and look for help, for hope, for salvation, for rescue, for a fix. Somebody do something in the context of need. But as life has grown, as human history has unfolded, certainly there are many parts of the, the world that are still uh, in great uh, material need. But, but in the parts of the world that we inhabit, where material comforts are abundant, it seems to be that the urgency around the question of salvation seems to be lost. And so, you know, once upon a time, it was an urgent question. Now it's kind of, meh, you know, well, whatever. I would say popularly, just kind of out in the world at large, there's generally a, hey, buddy, keep that stuff to yourself. You know, it's great for you to be into your religion. Um, you've got your truth. I've got my truth. Let's just, hey, you do you. I'll do me. And let's just, you know, leave it at that. And there's, there's a, um, a, a way that looks at the person who, might, uh, who, who speaks about salvation or wishes to share the message of salvation as almost somewhat as a radical or kind of one of those religious zealots or fundamentalists. You know, this whole salvation thing, thats it's become in our society in particular, that's, that's your private religious experience. You keep that to yourself. And so, while yes, there is, Christians do from time to time find a little bit of, of opposition, I would argue that it's less about being intolerant. It, 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 there, there's generally, you know, we're free to practice. You know, nobody's telling you you can't go to church on Sunday morning. Nobody's telling you you can't watch Greenwich or this study. There, there's none of that going on. Okay, that, that stuff happens in other countries. It's not happening here. And, and by God's grace, it won't happen here for a very long time. But what we run into, not so much intolerance as indifference. Meh, whatever. You want to be religious? You can be as religious as you want. Just don't, don't crowd my space. And so there's an indifference to salvation. There's an indifference to the message. There's an indifference to religion. And where we might feel the tension is when that which we have formerly known, we've talked about the home field advantage in terms of like white privilege, there's been a home field advantage also with respect to Christianity. That that has been, you know, for much of our nation's history, kind of the dominant cultural expression of faith and religion. And, and that's changing over time. And so that's not intolerance, it's indifference, and it's people embracing other perspectives, okay? I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing, but it is a thing. So it's not intolerance, it's indifference. And so folks aren't asking salvation questions quite so specifically. Um, so, so, so I just want to kind of, kind of frame it that way, okay? That this, which for Christians, for those who are listening to this, I'm, I'm assuming there's a, a, a sympathy at least, uh, and, and my guess is the only folks watching this are folks connected to Greenwich or the Greenwich family in, in some, you know, extended way, 
who who are familiar somewhat with the language, okay, and sympathetic to the cause. And so salvation for the Christian is everything, right? <laughs> it is to be saved. It's what I experienced back in college that I was so enthusiastic about. And so we have found this 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 redemption, this connection, this 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 hope, this 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 life raft, uh, this life preserver. We were drowning, and God reached out to us and saved us. And again, I don't know what your particular story is. I, I shared a little bit of mine, but salvation for the Christian is a, a much more honest and, and urgent or, or more present question. We use that language. My heart rejoices in your salvation. But a lot of folks today aren't going to be talking about that, thinking about salvation, but they are going to be talking about how can we fix our society? How can we address economic inequality and racial division and inequality and injustice? And, and how can we help... Uh, to, to, to feed the poor, and how can we help take care of uh, the environment? You know, the kind of the political issues of the day, I would argue underneath them are the salvation issues, okay? So, so I want to talk about what salvation isn't, okay? Let, let, let me do that. Let me just start today what salvation isn't. And I might add to this list. I, I did this list pretty quickly just because it, you know, comes off the top of my head. But each of them is a bit of a foil, okay? And so salvation is not a ticket to paradise. We think that way. People think that way. People think, oh, I've got my ticket to heaven. I, I said the sinner's prayer, or I, I had some religious experience, or just whatever. It's thinking that of salvation as something way out there, off when I die, then I get to go to heaven. That's the way salvation is often thought of. And so I've got my ticket in my pocket, and when it's time to present the ticket to the uh, train conductor, you know, so to speak, or to get on the airplane to, 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 to zoom up to heaven, I've got my ticket, okay? And so that's one way that... that folks tend to think about salvation. That's not it, okay? Don't, don't think of salvation that way. Uh, or it's a get-out-of-jail-free card, you know, uh, playing Monopoly. You know, one of the little cards you can, can pull up, what is it? Is it? And that's maybe Community Chest, I think, not Chance. That's Community Chest. And it's got the little guy with the little cage and his, his wings, getting out of jail free. And so the get-out-of-jail-free card, that's like, man, I've made a mess of my life. But I got saved. And so, boy, God got me out of the mess that I was in. <laughs> um, and, and, and there's aspects that, 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 that feel that way, right? I mean, I, that was kind of my experience. I just feel like some of the mess that I'd made of my life, uh, God got me out of. And so to be saved is to get out of jail free. I don't have to pay it back, okay? And so forgiveness that, that concept of forgiveness and getting out of jail free. But, but, but salvation isn't that. It's just not, oh, I'll get out of jail and I can go live any old way I want, okay? And then I've got my ticket to paradise and I'm out of jail, so I, I'm, I'm a free man. I can live again. Salvation's not that. A religious preference. And so we live in a pluralistic society, 
By pluralism, we mean there's many different views about life, about uh, heaven, about religion, about ultimate meaning, and, and the like. And so pluralism is this idea that there are many different views. And so, you know, some like steak, some like chicken, some are vegan, some are maybe not all the way vegan, but vegetarian. Um, and so, you know, you like to uh, use... Uh, uh, your own little bags at, at Wegmans, you know, you bring yours to be environmentally, others take the plastic bags, you know, have it your way, kind of the have it your way mentality then gets applied to religion, and salvation is just a religious preference for the Christian. Um, and that's fine, you know, you can have your religious beliefs, um, I believe something else, and you know, I don't worry about salvation, is what somebody might say. And so, so some might think salvation is just a religious preference. It's something that is very private, um, and um, it, uh, you know, kind of you, you, again, you do you, uh, I'll do me, and and you can. So it's it, it it suits your tastes and your religious ideals to think in terms of salvation. Great. Okay, but it's not that. Salvation is not just a, a, a private religious experience or, or, or preference. Um, salvation is a merit badge. Hmm, what does that mean? So you think of the, the Girl Scouts or the Boy Scouts, and they do an activity, and they get the marriage badge, and then as they go on, they, they achieve higher and higher um, uh, levels of achievement. Eagle Scout uh, for, the, for the Boy Scouts is often the, high, well, I think it's the highest rank. And so this notion of salvation being something that is a reward for a good life lived. And so I was kind to people, I gave money away to charity and to the church, I volunteered, um, I said my prayers. God kind of owes it to me, you know, I, I met the requirements, check, 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 because, you know, to, to, to earn the merit badge, then you have to... Uh, achieve or, or complete a series of tasks. And some think of salvation that way, that it's really the reward or the, the badge, the honor that we receive after living a good life. Again, maybe put air quotes around uh, good. And so salvation is not a merit badge for the worthy or the hardworking, okay? So it's not that. Some think of, of salvation in terms of the, the, the uh, kind of emotional, mental, spiritual, psychological experience of an individual. What, what sometimes we call self-actualization. Where I've made my peace with God. I've, I've come to peace with the universe. There's that, that phrase has shown up quite a bit in, in, in my, to my hearing. People, again, losing less clear language, talk about, you know, the universe smiling, the universe doing kind things. That's When I hear somebody talk about the universe doing certain things, that's somebody who, who has a spiritual sensitivity, probably was raised in the church in some way, but has kind of distanced themselves from that, but they still think there's some benevolent force, presence out there that smiles on them. And, and so, 
it's the, the, the language of self-actualization. Uh, Maslow's hierarchy, Abraham Maslow talked about, you know, you get our material needs and then your social needs, and then eventually the highest part of that is where we, when our needs are met, our physical creature comfort and our, and our um, kind of social needs, we then self-actualize and we, we have time allotted to us where we can reflect on the meaning of life and purpose, and then I, I come to a sense of peace, and and so self-actualization. Some think of of salvation as the self-actualized individual who kind of has come at peace with the world and and moves somewhat serenely and calmly and and confidently and and and, and kindly. And that person's saved. You know, they, they've, they've achieved inner peace. Okay, maybe that's another way of saying it. So self-actualization, or whatever you want salvation to mean. Okay. And then I think there is some other perspective that, that certainly bubbles around, and this may be the... This may be indication of the, the long legacy of Christianity in our nation. Some think salvation is guaranteed. You die, you go to heaven. And so just this notion of they're in a better place, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of their life, regardless of anything, just if you die you go to heaven. It's that, that good place, right? The TV show, The Good Place. Okay, you don't want to go to the bad place. You want to go to the good place, right? And, and so there's, there's a notion that, that salvation is just kind of guaranteed. It's just, it's like a, a right that we have. You know, we focus on our rights in, in America. We have our rights. Like, like salvation is something that's just guaranteed the human family. It's just, yeah, it's just part of the program, right? I mean, you're born, you die, you go to heaven, and it all works out, right? I mean, there, there's that. Let me offer to you that from a Bible point of view, this is not salvation, okay? So whatever salvation is, it's not these things. Now, are there elements of peace and inward serenity that come when one is saved by God. Absolutely. Is there, uh, is it a religious expression? That is, is it part of our faith experience? Yes. Um, is there a sense of joy in the freedom of forgiveness? Absolutely. So there's elements, but, but what I'm trying to do is to use these as a foil. And, and in my experience, again, my job gets me in conversation with folks, right, around these kinds of things. I believe these uh, are strongly at work in the human family here in America. I'll say it. these various ideas. But generally speaking, it's meh. People aren't thinking about salvation. Now, inside the church, yeah, maybe more so. But I would, I would offer to you that I run into these understandings inside the church, at Greenwich, and other churches that I've been involved with. And so, and I'm not saying that, I don't, I'm not trying to be judgy, I'm more just trying to, you know, be my observation and my experience. And so I want to start here, and then over the next couple days, 
let's talk about what salvation is from a biblical standpoint. Okay, let's let the authoritative sacred text guide us. So, so I'm not an authority unto myself. Salvation is whatever I want it to be, right? Or what the herd says it is, okay? Or what science, that other authority, because science would say there is no salvation. That, that's just a crazy thing. Salvation is just fixing the ills of, you know, the, the, the planet. And there is no, you know, afterlife or anything like that. And so... So the questions of authority, the reason we started there, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, Theology 101, where are we going to get our, our information about this faith that we call uh, Christianity? Where, where are we going to get that from? And we come out of a sacred, uh, a sacred text. So, I would say, sadly, many Christians are confused and maybe misguided. I, I want to be kind and gentle about that. I'm, I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be belittling or dismissive. It, it's, it's an honest reality. It's the hunger uh, for, for um, salvation that, that is born out of the image of God. That's, that's the blessedness. We yearn for this sense of connection uh, to the divine, to God. But in our brokenness, we sometimes misstate or misshape or misunderstand um, the true nature of things. And so what I'd like to do this week is to commit ourselves to, to a patient and mature study and understanding. And, and we're not going to exhaust the topic of salvation this week, of course, but these will be introductory thoughts that will help frame things out, perhaps for your further uh, study, reflection, and, and consideration. So, anyway, off into the new week. Um, Theology 201. Uh, let's talk about salvation. Okay? Let's close with prayer. Faithful God, we thank you. And with the psalmist, uh, as we cry out, how long, uh, as we continue in uh, this season of challenge and disruption, we also affirm with the psalmist uh, that our heart rejoices in your salvation. Deepen our understanding of what this means, what it means that we are a saved people, what it means that you are a God who saves, and what the experience and, and, and reality that we describe as salvation, what it really is, as you have revealed this to us in the scriptures. And so for any who may be listening or have loved ones uh, who uh, are not sure of their relationship with you and the salvation uh, experience as offered through Jesus Christ, Lord, we pray for your mercy, your kindness, and the movement of your spirit to win them as you won us. Lord, for the week that stretches ahead of us, for the challenges and opportunities, we pray for the hearts that, that are broken with grief and sorrow, we pray. For those whose bodies and, and minds and spirits uh, and wallets may be broken uh, and need healing and strength and comfort and hope, Lord, we pray. And for those who this day go forth uh, nobly uh, and, and, and faithfully uh, to labor, to keep us safe and healthy and, and protected in our communities, we pray. And for those who bear uh, the awesome responsibility of decision-making this day, we pray. And so for Greenwich Presbyterian, our sister churches in the community, our mission partners near and far, 
and Christians even to the farthest corners of the world, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the God whose unfailing love moves him to save you through Jesus Christ, may they, that God be with you this day and forevermore. Amen.